What's really good and welcome back to another episode of The Sanchez Show. I'm your host, Eric Sanchez, a.k.a. Legend of Two Games. On this episode, I give a quick uh, analysis, insight, my opinion on the start of the NBA season. It is Christmas Eve, so we got the Christmas Day games coming up. I want to get into that a little bit, and I want to get into a little bit of NFL talk. But before I do that, again, I wish everybody a very healthy Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and I appreciate the support. That being said... Let's get to it. All right, so it is Thursday, December 24th, Christmas Eve. I know everybody's getting ready to open up gifts and enjoy the food and enjoy the time with the family. But I wanted to give you guys my thoughts on the start of the NBA season. And I I leave it with, with one phrase. Don't panic. Or maybe I should just say, don't get too excited. We've seen some upsets in the first couple days. We've seen some disappointing performances. We've seen some great performances. We've seen a return of Kevin Durant, Steph Curry. We're getting an idea of what the defending champs may look like. We get to see the Clippers back on the court now. All these things lead up to the big Christmas Day games up Milwaukee, Boston, Philly, you know, new coaches, new teams, new schemes. But the overall uh, feeling that I get from the first two days is don't panic. Don't get too excited. All right. I was hearing people already anointing the Nets as the next champions. Relax. It's one game. I'm on the record as saying teams are going to have to adjust to what the Nets can do. And then give it about 20 games and let's see where they stand at that point. Same thing with the Lakers. They lost opening night. No big deal. They're a veteran team. They've got a mission to get back to the finals. They're not worried about losing an opening night. The Clippers still got to show me something as well. Yes, they look good that night, but can Paul George carry that performance or that type of performance through the rest of the season? Only time will tell. But ultimately, like I said, we can't get too up or down. We can't get too excited about this. We've also saw a game already postponed. And I think that's going to be an ongoing theme throughout this season. And I do believe that the NBA season will play out in terms of cancellations and postponements and rescheduling of games, similar to the way Major League Baseball season played out. At the beginning of the Major League Baseball season, we saw a lot of rescheduling, reworking, moving things around. All right, don't go to that city, play over here instead. You'll make up those games later. All those things are going to happen for the NBA. And for as much as we praised Adam Silver and the NBA for having no positive tests within a bubble, and rightfully so, it was a great job by the NBA. They're gonna be criticized now for some of the things that are gonna take place during the regular season. Because just like every other sport, they've gotta deal with the ugly truth about not only this pandemic and this virus, but the fact that traveling from state to state and being in three different cities in five days isn't the healthiest approach. Unfortunately, it is business as usual, and you gotta go out there and you gotta get the games on and you gotta keep the sponsors happy and you gotta allow the players to make a living. But these are the things that we're gonna have to experience, and the NBA is gonna have to deal with it. On opening night, Adam Silver, when he was questioned by Barkley and Kenny Smith and, and Ernie Johnson and Shaq on the TNT crew, he said, you know, it's a work in progress. We're figuring it out just as the rest of the country is figuring it out. And We'll rework things as, as necessary. And then the very uh, next day, the Houston Rockets game is postponed. So there's going to have to be a lot of reworking. There's going to have to be a lot of figuring out. 
ultimately, I think it will play out similar to the Major League Baseball season in the sense of, as I said, postponements, rescheduling, um, reworking different cities instead of going here, go here. But I also think that every team won't get to 72 games. I think there's a real possibility that when come playoff time, if the NBA is steadfast on getting these playoffs done by June or July, that maybe there will be some teams that only get to 60 games. There may be a handful of teams that don't have to play all their games because it may not matter to the schedule. And so that's going to become the big challenge for the NBA. We don't know what the second half of their schedule looks like. We don't know if they are talking about possibly doing a playoff bubble. We don't know if there's a certain limit they're trying to get to. Um, For those that don't know, last year, the reason that the bubble was constructed the way it was is because the NBA still had to make sure the sponsors received their money. And in order to do that, you had to have an average of 60 games played. And so what they did was they constructed the bubble. They played out an extended regular season to make sure that on average, the league as a whole played 60 games. Therefore, you fulfill your part of the agreement. I don't know if something is in place for this season that kind of saves the NBA if they don't get to a certain threshold or a certain number. But I have a feeling that we may see teams fall well short of the 72 games they're supposed to play and that the NBA works uh, a way into getting back into the bubble for the playoffs so that they eliminate any possibilities of star players being affected by this virus. But the players got to do their part too. And James Harden, to me, is completely out of pocket with his behavior right now. Completely out of pocket. I mean, you show up to camp late, you're seen partying, you're seen at di- in different cities living life, as you should. You've worked hard, you deserve to live life. But the moment you reported to camp, the, the moment you showed up to be a part of the Houston Rockets this season or possibly traded, whatever happened, but the moment you reported to work, it was time to get to work. It wasn't time to show up when it's convenient for you and then go back to partying when you feel like partying. That, to me, is completely irresponsible of James Harden. And that's the type of behavior that makes fans and, and casual fans, not even the diehard fans like myself, the, myself, the casual fans, really get fed up sometimes with particular players or even the sport. You, that's, a, that's just blatantly disrespectful to the game of basketball and to the people who support it. I know you don't want to be there, James Harden. I know you want to be traded to a better situation. You want to be surrounded by the stars. You want to have an opportunity to play in the NBA Finals. I get all that. I'm not questioning your love for the game. I'm not questioning your your intentions to chase a championship. But you have you've got to be more aware of the situation you're in. You cannot be seen partying and then use the excuse, well, I was out supporting my friend's business. What's the big deal? Well, the big deal is that the Players Association signed an agreement with owners stating to stay out of the bars and the lounges. We're going to give a little bit here. We know you guys don't want to be tested for marijuana. We know it's going to be a stressful season. All right, we're giving you that. But in return, give us this. And James Harden can even do that. It's not even a week into the season and the league has to cancel games. And it's not all his fault. Other Rockets tested positive. Others were were contact traced. But James Harden, as a face of the league, as one of the most recognizable players in the country, in any sport, there are people who casually watch basketball who know who the Beard is. There are people who might be bigger football or baseball fans who know who the Beard is. You cannot be out partying knowing 
what's going on in this country and knowing the type of drama that you're already involved with with your current organization as you try to work your way out. It's terrible. It's terrible optics by James Harden. Got to do better, man. And the league ultimately is going to have a lot of challenges this upcoming season. I'm going to be paying attention to see how they handle them. But I'm letting you guys know right now, I truly believe this is going to be very similar to the Major League Baseball season. Again, with cancellations, with reworking, with postponements. It's going to get hectic. And we're not even a full weekend. With that being said, let's transition over to a little bit of NFL talk. Um, Christmas Day football, which I don't understand. They're trying to go up against the NBA. Everyone knows Christmas Day is NBA Day. But for whatever reason, NFL wants to try to sneak a game in there. Fine. So be it. This week, I didn't give you guys my top five contenders in each conference. And the reason I didn't do it is because it's getting a little murky right now. The waters are getting a little tricky. I'll, I'll, say, I'll say as simple as this. There are about three to four teams in the AFC, I think, that are better than the majority of the teams in the NFC, and that's why I didn't want to give the list this week, because I just felt like it was a little unfair. The, the fourth best team in the NFC would pro- has a legitimate shot to be the best team in the AFC. I mean, in the NFC. Fourth best team in the AFC could easily be the best team in the NFC, and so that's where the list is starting to get a little murky, but I'm going to come up with a different concept next week. Long story short, though, we know who the pretenders are. We know who the contenders are. We're going to learn a lot about true Super Bowl contenders this week. The biggest game to me of the week and the biggest game that may have the most impact on what happens in the AFC is the Pittsburgh-Indianapolis game. Pittsburgh looks like crap right now. Three-game losing streak. Offense really struggling to move the ball. Defense doesn't look as fierce as they did early in the season. On the flip side... The Colts' offense has actually looked better the last six weeks. The Colts' defense is one of the top five units in all of football. I think the Steelers are falling apart right before our eyes. And the reason I think this game has so much significance um, in the AFC is, one, division status. The Steelers are one game ahead of the Cleveland Browns. If they lose this week, they're going to have to play the Browns for the division in Week 17. The Colts are tied with the Titans right now. This win could catapult the Colts to taking it over the division lead and then obviously changing the landscape of where they go for their first playoff game. Will it be on the road? Will it be at home? The next part of this is the Buffalo Bills. The Buffalo Bills who beat Pittsburgh sitting in the number two uh, position right now in the AFC have the opportunity to finish out as the number two seed and force a lot of uncomfortable teams, uh, uncomfortable situations for teams to have to come to Buffalo in January for a playoff game. So there, there's some things here to, to check out and really figure out what's going to happen with the AFC. On the NFC side of things, I think it's a must-win game for the Saints tomorrow on Christmas Day. I talked about it on Real Fans Real Talk. The Saints are struggling. They're trying to figure out their way. They've lost two in a row. They got Drew Brees back. But in losing two in a row, they've allowed Tampa Bay back in the mix. And as I've, as I've told you guys before in my top five list, unless Tampa Bay wins the division and can get at least one home playoff game, possibly even two, because they could move up to the number two seed, they're going to be in some trouble. They're going to be in some trouble. Tampa needs to win that division, at least have one home playoff game, possibly even two, if they want to make a deep playoff run. Anything less than at least one home playoff game, I don't see them making a deep playoff run. The NFC West is jam-packed. It looks like three teams are going to come out of there unless somehow Arizona falls apart and it allows the Bears in it. 
but I think three teams are coming out of there. But long story short, the contenders are starting to rise to the top. The pretenders have, are left behind. And I think this week we'll have more definitive answers on who the best two teams are in each conference. Right now, for my money, I have Green Bay and New Orleans, but I have New Orleans tentatively at number two. I like the Rams, but they really shit the bed last week. I don't trust the Seahawks' defense. Arizona's a little too young. Tampa Bay's too inconsistent for me. So right now, I'm going to stay with Green Bay and New Orleans as my top two in the NFC. In the AFC, it's trickier, but I got Kansas City and Buffalo. And the reason I say it's trickier, again, the top four teams in my book in the AFC are Kansas City, Buffalo, Tennessee, and Indianapolis. And I think all four of those teams are better than the teams on the NFC side. Indianapolis, who I just ranked number four, already beat Green Bay as the top team in the NFC. Tennessee gets a chance to play them this week. It's going to be a very interesting week of sports, man. With that being said, this is the Sanchez Show. Merry Christmas to everyone. Thank you guys for the support. Happy holidays.